Hi, this is Eric Ludi for the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you are enjoying these messages and want to take these truths even deeper, I invite you to join us in Windsor, Colorado at Ellerslie for one of our upcoming five-week or week-long discipleship training programs. Ellerslie's discipleship training has been designed to ignite your spiritual fire and to give you the tools for a Christianity that really works. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So, the other day, I was talking to a pagan. A pagan is not a derogatory term. It is simply a a description or a term that is used for anyone who has a belief system that is not one of the main world religions. There's the, you know, there's this category of people that have, like their, their new age, their uh, uh, mysticism or meditation or spiritual, ooh. <laughs> you know? And <clears throat> that, there is a category that's, that you can refer to, there's a word that explains that category. It's called pagan. It's in the dictionary. And so I was having a conversation with one of those sorts of people the other day, and I was talking about Jesus because I love to talk about Jesus. It's just part of my life to love him that way. And so I'll call this person P, okay? She was somewhat frustrated with me because I was just talking about one thing. And she says, why are you so narrow-minded? Why do you even think it's okay to push Jesus' beliefs off onto me? It's okay if we all believe whatever is right for each one of us to believe. We are all, we all have the freedom to just do that, and it is all okay. I said, so are you familiar with Christianity? And she said, yes. And I said, then you would know that there is a narrow way that is referred to by Jesus? Uh, I guess so. And I said, that leads all genuine Christians to be narrow-minded. And so, of course, I'm narrow-minded. You can call me that. We believe that Jesus is the only name given among men whereby we can actually be saved from death and given life. Life indeed. That's really narrow-minded, isn't it? And she's nodding and kind of like... And so I said... Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you think I was a hypocrite to call myself a Christian and then not proceed to talk about with you who Jesus is? Would I not be hypocritical to my own belief system if I didn't share Jesus with you? Oh, I guess I can see your point. And then she calmed down and began to listen to me. Praise Jesus. 
And then she said, I've already studied everything else and I'm in a good place with myself, with meditating, with accepting everyone where they are and with what they believe is best for them and I don't condemn anyone. And everything I brought up, she had something derogatory to say, to tear it down and to sweep it aside as unimportant, weird, and stupid. She says, I'm at peace with what I believe is best for me. People don't have to be Christian in order to be at peace with themselves and have a good life. But, I said, there is something called truth. And it's not too late to change your mind. I told her that. She was putting all these things out at me, and I didn't know what to say. So I looked at her and said, you know what? It's not too late for you to change your mind. You can be at peace with yourself, but you may not be at peace with God. And what's more important? Well, it depends on what you think of who God, what your definition of God is. I said, no, it doesn't. There is such a thing as truth. Truth is one thing. There is not one truth. There is truth. If you say something like there's one truth, that means maybe that there's two truths or three truths. No, there's truth, period. And so we uh, went back and forth, and I pressed this point. Rather than just accept the fact that she was really uh, stuck for life in her current belief system, I kept saying, it's not too late for you to believe truth. It's not too late for you to change. It's not too late for you to begin to study Jesus and to not be satisfied in your current state. I want to stir you up to let you know these things. I care about you. So it's not too late to begin to study Jesus to come to a place of faith in him and to love him. He is truth. <clears throat> and then I thanked her for the honor of her allowing me to speak truth to her, to, to listen to her and to just be with her for a while. And we parted ways and I heard her later say to someone else, I just had the sweetest conversation with a Christian I've ever had. She said that it was really different. And she was complaining about Christians to me and about organized Christianity and all of their pushiness and hypocrisy and all of this. And <clears throat> so after a while in her, it was easy to see that there was an insecurity of sorts <laughs> because there was a lot of insistence on a nebulous exploration and dabbling in all kinds of alternate, 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 wise-sounding sort of philosophies. And it didn't sound like she was securely fastened to anything. 
it was just all over the place. No matter what I'd say, it seemed like it morphed depending on the conversation trail. And so <clears throat> I pressed the point, Jesus is the only truth. You know, have you ever thought about the alphabet? Have you ever thought about sticking a new letter in it? The alphabet is the alphabet. There's 27 letters, and it begins with A, and it ends with Z, and you can't add to it or take away from it and still have the language that we speak. The alphabet is what it is, and Jesus is called the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And you can't add to that, nor take away from it, and still have the language of the heart of the gospel and of the heart of love and the heart of our God. Jesus is everything. He's the first, he's the last, he's everything. And just like you can't change the building blocks and the foundation and the language of the English language with the 27 letters of the alphabet, the truth cannot be altered to come from another base, to come from some other blocks that you gather from somewhere else and begin to heap them up and to call them, this is my truth. That Jesus can't be something other than truth. And there is no other truth. <clears throat> he is everything. In Colossians 1, 15 through 20, we read, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He also is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That is an amazing passage of scripture about Jesus, is it not? It is. I've just shared all that with you as an introduction to what I want to talk about. I want to talk about <clears throat> this present insecurity and the world's need. Don't you think at a point like this in our lives that there is a need to bring some sort of hope that secures people in their hearts and in their lives for the future. There is a great need for that. 
Are you interested and desiring a more genuine outworking of your life in Jesus? Are you? Me too. And I often think about this. Why do we desire this life in Jesus only for ourselves? And we think about me in relation to Jesus. Me and Jesus. <clears throat> Why don't we think about Jesus is mine because he wants me to be poured out for the sake of others. When I am secure in him, it's time to get to work loving others. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love everyone else like Jesus has loved us. And it might be useful for us to think for a moment to find out where our personal desires toward living a more real Christianity fits in with the worldwide situations and the needs of our times. Are we, are we continually trying to just be better Christians in sort of a personal way, always seeking to just, I, I got to get this right, I got to improve, I, I need to have a better quiet time, I need to have a better this, I need to... Um, <clears throat> just really, really love God more than I do? Is that really the need that we have? Or can we just receive the life that Jesus has give a, given us, be hungering and thirsting for righteousness every day, and finding a way to also be pouring out? Because the need around us is great. And there may not be much time left to work, and lawlessness is increasing. Hopelessness is increasing. And we have the key. Most news these days is bad news. And reading it or hearing it month after month can leave our hearts battered and bruised. And then we begin to feel the effects of this bad news and what's going to happen and how are we going to, and all of these anxieties or fears or whatever start rising up unless you keep your focus where it belongs. This, <clears throat> this desire to do what Jesus has done for us, to love and to love well. Jesus and everyone else. I don't know how far the tragedy and of the general decline and lawlessness of the times has become your own personal sorrow. The decline of truth. Truth is basically fallen in the street in our day, like I described in that story and talking to this lady. There's no understanding of the actuality of truth that there is such a thing called truth. It's fallen in the street, and it's leaving humanity in a crisis of fear, anxiety, and hopelessness. And they turn inward, and they do what, and they believe and do whatever makes them feel good in the moment. 
can that actually, friends, should move us. We should be experiencing some personal sorrow on behalf of this, what I'll call, human crisis in our world. Most of us recognize somewhat shamefully that our own private cares and troubles and worries absorb us to such an extent that we have little left over to be stirred up enough to feel any indignant spiritual protest, I'll call it, against the suffering of something so nebulous as the plight of humanity. We put it in such a big category that we don't personalize it and go, this is my responsibility in Christ. To suffer with Christ in this way. To care. I've called this daily thunder the pull to grow cold. Not caring to care. The times in which we are living cause us a lot of sorrow. But it ought not to be a personal sorrow, but a sharing of the sorrow of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desires all to come to repentance. And you know that verse that says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, desiring that all would come to repentance. Did you see the emphasis I put on that? God is patient toward his church because he desires all to come to repentance. We have been given a great purpose in the Lord our God. And it is to bring the the good news and the heart of the gospel of life and love out into the world to bring all to repentance. We have a purpose. And you know in this life, we all are striving to have purpose and to have value. We want to know that we have a place and that we have a, a meaningful existence, right? We want to know that. In Christ, you do. You have a grand and glorious purpose in the overarching purpose of the Lord our God to bring the gospel of love, the heart of the Lord our God, out into the world one person at a time. Own this purpose. Own it. The... The owning of this kind of purpose and even the sorrow of the Lord in the process when he looks out over the world, to own that, that sorrow, that same sorrow and heart burden for humanity that Jesus bore, it's the only thing that can propel us onward and give any meaning to our lives under his great commission. This is serious. Love Jesus enough that you own this. 
Don't just love Jesus to feel good that you love Jesus. Don't just love Jesus to feel good about your own Christianity. Have we allowed the insecurities of the times in which we find ourselves as Christians to blur and obscure any care for the people around us? Are we so caught up in all of the trials and the afflictions of our own lives that we aren't pouring out love? Have we allowed the masses to just keep groping around in the dark for the light? You are the light of the world. <clears throat> Throw off the bushels. Stop allowing the world to grope for truth in darkness. They need the light. They need the light of the world, who is Jesus. The world is filled with bad news, and yet the church has been given the stewardship of the good news. What are we doing? How are we stewarding the good news? The love that has been shed abroad in our hearts. How are we stewarding this? What are we doing with it? <clears throat> what are we doing with all the good news that we're constantly being exposed to in our churches, our quiet times with Jesus, our fellowship with each other? Is it just for our own hearts to own? Or are we so burdened and sorrowful for even the plight of one neighbor that we're willing to give up our own comforts to bring them some good news? One neighbor consistently, constantly, being brought light in their darkness. <clears throat> Let us be very sure for that groping or peace and security, we do have the answer. Be sure of it. Speak the truth to yourself. I have the answer to this dilemma. I want to give it. I want to pour it out. I want it to go out everywhere. Even as the world is, it's still God's. He knows all the confusions, all the uncertainties, all the sufferings, and all the sins, and yet the future is still his. And he wants all who will to come to him while there is still time, and he wants to use you for that purpose. <clears throat> Our security can never really be in the past, nor in the present. It is in the future. And we have that hope, and it anchors our soul to truth. And we don't let go, and we don't allow ourselves to grow cold. But there is a verse in Matthew 24, 12. It says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the Lord says he is with us if we keep his commandment. And that commandment that he's referring to is the commandment to love. 
Let me read a few things about love. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, John 15, 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We could maybe even put it the other way. Everyone who is born of God loves. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I honestly don't think that just means in the body of Christ. <clears throat> that was from 1 John 4, 7 and 11. And then... This from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Is this love important? Yes, it is. And love is patient and is kind and is not jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. Did you know that love is not offended? It's another word for that, provoked. Doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. I've been wronged so much by so many times by so many people in so many churches. I don't want anything to do with it again. Your love just grew cold. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Are you rejoicing in the truth so much that it is noticeable that you have joy in your rejoicing? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it'll be done away with. But now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, and verse 13. Do you think lawlessness has increased? I do. Do you think love is growing cold? There is... So much in the news that is so dark, so violent, so dishonest. Love doesn't even enter into the picture. You can't listen to the news and feel loved or feel like people are being loved in the world. There's, there is just a terrible picture being painted, is there not? Is, is your loving growing cold? 
Does it sound too complicated to love in this day? Like, oh, I just don't know where to start. Things have gotten so bad. I'm just going to stay home and love Jesus. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. To grow cold means to wane, to decrease in vigor, power, or extent. To become weaker, to diminish, to disappear. That's what it means for you to grow cold in your love. To wane. Have we become fearful of loving? Are we self-preserving? Are we resentful and unforgiving? What follows Matthew 24:12? Matthew 24:13 which says I'm going to read the first part in 12 again because lawlessness is increased most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, and then there's a a promise right there. The one who endures in what to the end? Loving, in love. The one who endures in love and does not allow their love to grow cold. Love for God, love for others. May it never be said in your life that that has grown cold. Don't be one of the many who in our times when this lawlessness is increased, our love wanes and grows cold. I can feel that pull to stop loving. Before I talked to this young lady, I could feel this pull. I was around her for a while, and I, could, I knew that I needed to love her with the gospel and talk to her, but <clears throat> I was kind of hedging around and delaying and not following the leading of the Spirit. I would say to myself, well, they just seem to be so content with the way they are. They're happy, and um, they just don't seem like they need Jesus, and... They're just so opinionated that it would be useless to try and convince them of anything different anyway. So um, I wasn't getting away with that. I was coming up with some judging whether to share the gospel with them by some sort of gauge that I was consulting that was my own. Uh, Do I witness to this person or don't I? rather than from what Jesus had already asked of me. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. And so I could feel this pull. Stop loving. Stop giving truth. They seem fine. They're not all upset about the stuff in the world. So, finally, I was able to push all that aside and say no, because this verse has been on my heart now for quite a few weeks. I keep thinking, because lawlessness is increased, my love should be growing hotter. 
So how do we keep from going, growing cold? I kept from growing cold in one instance by being obedient to the leading of the Spirit of God and to actually going and pouring out all the love that I could come up with in the moment to love this young lady with the truth. We, as we continue to abide in Christ, there's so many things, there's so many things, friends, that you can do to expose yourself to that which builds you up in your faith. Like, sometimes I will plug the word truth into my blue-letter Bible thing and read every single verse, one right after another, that has to do with truth. And by the time I get to the end of that list, I'm like, wow, this is really important to God. And it builds me up in the truth. Or I plug the word love into my blue-letter Bible search thingy, and it comes up with all these verses that have the word love in it. And all of a sudden, my whole quiet time is taken up with being in, absorbed in loving God and loving others. And my, I feel like my heart is just bursting to love. You can build yourself up in your most fo- holy faith. You can expose yourself to so many things. Plug the word light into there, into your blue letter Bible search engine or whatever one you use. Come up with all the verses that have to do with faith and keeping your faith. Anything that the Spirit of God lays upon. There are so many books to to be exposed to. I'm going to talk about one today. There's so many of those things. There is no excuse for not abiding in Jesus and allowing your love to grow cold. No excuse at all. Love suffers long. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what you're suffering, no matter whether you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness or not, there is no excuse for not continuing to love in the truth. And to speak the truth with love and to speak the truth with winsome graciousness, loving all the while, not getting frustrated, not getting angry, not arguing. Love grows as you practice expressing it. Just like you get better and better at the piano when you practice it more and more, you get better and better at loving when you practice loving. Practice love. Abide in Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, Paul says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. He actually wrote that, for all people. And then in Colossians 1.5 and 6, Of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also, It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you. In you also, since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Is it growing? Is it increasing? Are you understanding the, the grace and the love of God in truth? 
Do you own the heart of the gospel? What if this could be said of us? What if this was really true of us? That since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to abound in it. We must strive for excellence in the, our pursuit of life in Jesus. It can't just be this, this weak, limp uh, version of a pursuit. Pursue and strive for excellence in loving others and loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Should we love him thinly and weakly? That means W-E-A-K, weak, like without strength. Should we love Jesus that way? No, nor should we love anyone else that way. What if we loved our God grandly and thoroughly by living an outstanding love for others just like he did? In the most recent Voice of the Martyrs emailing, I just read this, this couple days ago, about a saint. An official warned him that he would be stoned if he did not cease preaching the gospel. And he said, boldly, grandly, dying for Jesus would be a privilege for me. I have counted the risk and deemed it worth it for the sake of the gospel. What holds you back? What if we loved grandly and thoroughly and completely with everything that is in us? True love, love based on the truth, is not what most people mean when they use the word love. Love usually doesn't have anything to do with truth for them. It has to do with sort of some mushy feelings of some sort that that they have some good sort of likable feelings towards something or someone, right? Love has lost its, like Eric says, majesty. Return the majesty of love to your life in sharing the gospel. We know love, and we know it did not grow from nothing within us. It has its origin somewhere. And it was, it, we were loved before we even knew what it was. We were loved before we even caught sight of it. And that origin has condescended to live in us. The origin of love, who is love indeed, lives within you. If you are in Christ and he is in you, then love lives in you. Right? How can love grow cold? Does Jesus grow cold? No. Neither does love. May it never be. Walk in love as he has loved you. It is the very life of the creator's heart and mind to love, to be love. We are actually to be love. It's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I am love. I am love to the world. 
I'm defined by love for the world, for God and for all people. We cannot have created love within ourselves. It comes from God. And even now, if you stretch your imagination as far as you can, it's beyond anything that we could have even thought of for ourselves. Who could originate love but God? In and of ourselves, we can't feel what real love is. It's far too huge and infinite without actually having the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. In and of ourselves, we can't find it, but it is in having Jesus, watching Jesus, loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, that we come up with the ability, the, the gift the, of the Spirit of God of love. It is, it's an exquisite gift. But we take these things, or do we? Take these things far too casually? Do we take it for granted that we actually know love? Know Jesus enough to love? We all can recognize that very few are lit up with the miracle of who God is. As he has said, he is love. We, we don't consider it enough, what he has done for us. What security, what peace, what purpose we know and we feel and we realize. But do we realize it for the deep need of humanity? What if that exquisite love that God is, that it lives within us, we're constantly being shared, believed on, and surrendered to, no matter what. I want to read to you from just a, a real short story that is from the book put out by the Voice of the Martyrs called Extreme Devotion. Many of you may have it or have heard of it. It's amazing. It's a story Many, many, many stories. It's devotional. It's 365 daily devotional stories of ancient to modern-day believers who sacrificed everything for Christ. And this one is called Extreme Truth. It's about Pastor Kochanga in Romania. Are you not afraid of what we will do to you? the communist colonel asked, his tone a combination of mockery and challenge. Young Pastor Kochanga, having preached only one sermon in his career, stood before the colonel, knowing that the man held the power of life and death over him. He answered in a respectful yet fervent tone, Sir, truth is never afraid. Suppose your government would decide to hang all mathematicians. How much would two plus two be then? <laughs> two plus two would still be four. We have truth, as true as a mathematical equation. We have the truth that there is a God, 
and that he is our loving Father. We have the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world and wishes to save everyone, even you, Colonel. We have truth that there is a Holy Spirit who empowers men and gives them light, and we have the truth that there exists a beautiful paradise with Jesus. Whatever whips and whatever instruments of torture you have, it will always remain so. Two plus two still equals four. Kochanga was beaten almost beyond recognition and then was never seen again. Though his battered and bloody face was hard to recognize for the other prisoners, in heaven he was immediately known and welcomed. There's a verse on this page that says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. He was immediately known in heaven. Let us take these things to heart. Let us apply our hearts unto the wisdom of knowing and sharing the love of God, bearing the heart of the gospel to the world. May it be so with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that none of us would be caught shrinking back nor growing cold in an age of lawlessness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would not grow cold in our love, love for God, love for others. Sharing the truth, speaking, pouring out, laying down our very lives if necessary to endure to the end. I pray that those who hear this message would rise up in the strength of the love of the truth and go out into the world and bring many to repentance, to bring many who also will love Jesus and bring many to love Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you for loving us to death. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the hope that we have that anchors our souls to this truth. Thank you. I commit these precious saints to you, knowing that you are faithful, you are good, and you will help them. And you thank you that you have given them your Holy Spirit to lead them into all the truth. Help them, Jesus, to practice love. In your name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.